Welcome once again to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers. Located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at wideteams. This is episode 39. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. And I am joined today by uh, Luke Stokes and Brett Florio, who are co-founders of foxycart.com. Luke and Brett, thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Avdi. That intro uh, sounded fantastic, very much like NPR, even. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I understand uh, you have yourselves a distributed team. Uh, yeah, I mean, Brad, if you want to dive into that one first, because you kind of started this whole craziness. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have a distributed team. Although Luke and I met uh, in person, I went to college with his wife, um, Oh, so long ago. He moved to Nashville. I'm down in Southern California. Uh, pretty quickly after we got this going, um, or even started before we launched, I could be wrong there, but uh, we've been, we've been remote from the beginning and it's been a learning experience, but we've had a lot of fun with it. And I, I really don't know how else we would do it at this point. I, I, and I don't imagine it will change. Um, in in any time soon. Yeah, I mean, we're now up to, I think it's a total of nine guys. Uh, we've got a, a team member in Australia, Pakistan, Russia, and then here in the States in Oklahoma, um, Georgia, as Brett mentioned, California. I'm in Nashville. Actually, currently, I'm in Costa Rica, which is kind of an <laughs> awesome thing to mention to your, uh, your, your podcast listeners. My wife and I had an opportunity to stay at a house that my brother built for basically two months, so... We're like the epitome of remote working at this very moment. So, <laughs> but it just having that team all over the place has been uh, really great for us. And it's, I mean, even just actually the last two days, we had a really, really cool example of working with our customers through issues. And, you know, some of our teams up till 4 a.m. and some of the teams up till 2 a.m. And we're all kind of coming together as a team. It's just, we, we love the remote environment. It also might be worth uh, pointing out too that our team does. A fair amount of traveling, like Luke mentioned, he's in Costa Rica. Um, I have three little girls, and we, as a family, have spent some time uh, in an old RV driving around the country a few weeks, a few months at a time. Our One of our um, developers who also does support is in Australia. He just embarked a few weeks ago on what will be probably at least six months of driving literally around the entire continent. Um, and... You know, we like the flexibility and it's not the sort of thing that we just appreciate for ourselves as the, as the co-founders of the company, but really we, we encourage our team to take advantage of it as well. I mean, we only have, we have this life to, to live and it's, it's just a shame to think that so many people are strapped and chained behind their desk and don't have the flexibility that we feel, um, it really comes with a remote team. Hmm. And how big is your team? Luke mentioned it. We're up to nine at okay. present. Sorry, um, I missed that. We could, uh, no problem. We we could kind of count a tenth. Um, not really super on the team, but an artist in Portugal that's becoming um, much more, much more 
important in our current marketing, but um, nine so far. Okay. And uh, and are they sort of scattered around, um, or are they sort of centered on on a particular location? Well, it's like I mentioned, we've got um, Pakistan, Russia, Australia, and then Oklahoma, Georgia, California, Nashville. I think that's pretty much it. Wow. Okay. For most the, of the team, Nashville is the the biggest concentration. We have Luke, um, and then two other developers in Nashville, but they, I mean, we don't have offices or anything. Okay. And, um, how did you put that team together? How did you find people? That's, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> that's, that's basically Brett's magic. That's what I was saying. You, you kind of started <laughs> this craziness. Some, some of them have been really great finds from, from Luke, um, the guys in Nashville, but over the years, We've, uh, my previous business was a web development company and, um, being in California, just people in California know, and maybe people outside of California know as well, the cost of living is very high. Um, there's a lot of regulation with having employees and, um, you know, what you can do, what you can't do. Not to say that that's good or bad, but just it is a little bit cumbersome for some small businesses and as an e-commerce or pardon me as a web development company um you know there's no real need to stay local especially if you can find somebody that you can communicate with get along with and you know it doesn't matter if they're next door or across the planet so with that um company i started just building that team and um we was running that concurrent with Foxycart for a while, really with the idea that the good people there would be moved to Foxycart as Foxycart mm. became the only thing that I did. What, um, what were some of the tools you used? I mean, I think you remember like mentioning yeah. Odesk and some of the so, other ones. Well, I, th- I think the biggest the biggest success that I've had in finding people has been not just putting job application or pardon me, job descriptions or job postings or whatever they would be out in the world, like Monster, wherever people post things like that. Um, I've had luck with more targeted approaches. So we got um, two possibly, two really amazing devs, um, one of whom is officially with Foxycart and one of whom we will we're hoping we'll join the team uh, as one of our next hires. I got them, though. I found them from, I, I don't want to say I got them, like I'm collecting things, like they're not people with their own with their own goals and uh, motivations and such. But I found them through a Django job board. Now, FoxyCurt is a PHP application. We do use little bits of Python here and there in our systems. Uh, at least I think we do. I'd have to check with Fred. But, um, but with Django, when you posted a, job posting there in a Django specific job board, there's kind of a minimum level of expertise, a a minimum skill level that it takes to work with Django in the first place. So by posting it not to a, let's say Joomla job board or WordPress or not to say there's anything wrong with those, but a less specific, less targeted, maybe less advanced community by posting to Django job boards, we were able to find people that knew how to program, that knew programming you know, better than most, and mm-hmm. worked out quite well. So 
found two developers that way. Um, we've taken people from our community. So, um, we have an amazing support, um, support guy or support pre-sales web dev right now. And he came from the community. He was a really passionate community member. Um, I kind of offhand mentioned when talking to him one day that we were hiring and he said, Hey, could I, could I apply mm-hmm. <laughs> for the job? And I kind of thought, yeah, um, our, one of our, uh, Adam, we got the, we got from the community too. Didn't we Luke? Yeah. Yeah. If I was just going to say that. Um, yeah. so yeah, we've, we've kind of, yeah, it's interesting how it's come about, but and then Luke, been very fortunate. I, I think it's worth mentioning just the local connections that Nashville has a great community and, you know, obviously that's helped us as well. What's that, uh, what's that process like of bringing someone on board when you don't have an office, uh, you know, to sit down with them in? We, yeah, we've always talked about that being something we're going to go really slow with. And so we always, you know, a lot of, a lot of, that's kind of in the past, we've always talked about, oh, we got to go real slow. And then we kind of started thinking about this, you know, hire fast, fire fast idea. And we kind of, swings the pendulum a whole another direction. And I think we've kind of found a medium based on the person we're, we're working with. So what it starts out with is obviously just some emails back and forth. Uh, usually we follow up with a Google Plus video hangout or a Skype video hangout. We want to actually see them, read their body language, kind of like a, an interview that you do in a normal company before they fly them in and do the in-person interview. Mm-hmm. But for us, a lot of it is just kind of um, their understanding of our culture. And that's something just even in the last couple of days, I've been reminded about how awesome our culture is and, and that each one of our team members is extremely fanatically passionate about serving our users and our customers, and they want to serve them with excellence. And so we just kind of get a feel for how someone feels about customers and how they feel about, you know, uh, taking shortcuts or doing it right, but also, you know, not trying to aim for perfection, just aim for excellence, you know, something that's mm-hmm. going to be really great but not going to be a waste of time. And so, you know, we start with those dialogues. Eventually, we bring them into our campfire chat room, and that's kind of our virtual office, and they can dialogue with the rest of the team members, kind of hang out a little bit, see how how our company culture is really. is A lot of it's summed up in the conversations there in campfire because everything that we do happens either through email or through campfire conversation. So for someone new who just shows up, it's very easy for them to quickly understand, oh, wow, this is – this is the language we use. This is the way we talk about customers. This is the way we address issues and how serious we are and how we serve even each other as team members. How there aren't, you know, no one's here because it's a great job. You know, they're here because it's a team and they're excited about being on the team. So it's really just a matter of are they excited about that fit? And it's, it's kind of interesting because we, we don't put as much of a priority on their skill level or their, you know, understanding of e-commerce and those kind of things. Um, I, I'm thinking of our, like our QA specialist. He started out kind of wanting to learn development, and we've kind of trained him as as he's grown up as a developer and as he's he's been able to contribute more and more as time has gone on. And so we like to actually build and mentor other people as well. So a big part of it is just that culture fit. Are they going to be excited about working on our team? And is the team going to be excited about working with them? I think one of the, the – it sounds almost like a parent, but one of the coolest joys of seeing a remote team is watching them interact with each other from across the country and across the world. Mm really building true friendships and really like sometimes people just come to hang out and they're like, Hey, I'm not even on the clock. I just want to hang out. And one of the things we did is we have a water cooler, uh, kind of channel in our campfire chat room. Mm-hmm. So people can just hang out there and like share videos and stuff when they're not clocked in. Cause it's like, they like to show up where everybody knows their name. It's kind of like cheers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think also Luke mentioned the higher fast fire fast or higher slow fire fast. There are different philosophies there, but, um, 
when we bring somebody on, a lot of times we've seen them already and we've seen what they've done. So whether that's I've worked with them on a different project or we hire them maybe for an external thing that's not our code base, but it's something we need done. Um, things like that where we can kind of get a feel or if they're from the community, we can, we can see how they interact. We can say, yeah, you know, keep on doing what you're doing in the forum and we'd like to see just how you, how you interact with people. But by the time we really um, give somebody a Foxy card email address and walk them through the team member handbook and stuff, we've, we've generally seen how they are, who they are. We've talked to them a few times. Like we've said, we take it really slowly because it's a big deal for us. We're, we're a small team, but even as we grow larger, I imagine we'll continue to really, really focus on who we bring onto the team because we're passionate right now. Like Luke said, we're really, really proud of our team and we don't want to ruin that. So the culture, keeping it, keeping it cohesive, keeping it very friendly, keeping it very passionate is something that we don't take for granted. And in some ways we move quickly, but in other ways we're very cautious with, with who we bring on. And even when we do bring them on, we set expectations and say, you know, don't, don't go change your LinkedIn. You know, we're, we're going to see how this works. We're going to make sure that you vibe with the rest of the team. Um, and you know, that we, you have a, you have a fit that you like working with us and that we can really see this growing. So we, we do take it slowly, but, um, maybe not as slowly as some. Mm. So we, I, we, we, we try not to keep the overhead up. Sorry. I, no, I'm just yeah. rambling now. <laughs> uh, actually, <laughs> I want to follow this thread a little bit further, but, but I think, uh, first we should probably step back, uh, real quick and talk about, uh, what is the business of Foxycart? Foxycart is an e-commerce platform uh, focusing mainly on the cart and the checkout flow. It's not a turnkey solution. It's not a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. It's not an all-in-one solution. It's just focusing on the cart and checkout. So it's not a CMS. We don't do analytics. We don't do email marketing. We don't do uh, inventory management. We focus just on the checkout flow, and we're built to integrate from the ground up. So we built it that way because uh, way back when when we did website design, we had a system that we liked. We had a CMS. It was ModX. We had Campaign Monitor and MailChimp. We had all of these tools that we liked, and we knew that we were never going to approach that. We're never going to be as good as MailChimp at email marketing. So what we really needed was the e-commerce. We needed the cart and the checkout. We needed it to be secure. We didn't want to have to worry about the security, the PCI compliance, the liability, the server updates, etc., um, so we built FoxyCart in such a way that it's built to integrate. It's very flexible, very simple at its at its core. It's at, at um, pardon me, not at its core, but at its simplest level, it's an add to cart button. But it has a full API. You can synchronize users and passwords and do mm-hmm. recurring billing and downloadables and single sign-on and all of the things that allow for extremely complex integrations. Um, so that's. That's right. And that, that includes like coupons and discounts and taxes and shipping and, you know, all, all kinds of different, uh, <laughs> one of the coolest things we get from feedback from our users is that the flexibility we provide. We're really, we're aiming to be a tool set that web developers and web development companies can come and bring in and say, hey, if we're doing any e-commerce, we're always going to do it with Foxcart because 
we have the ultimate flexibility to the craziest thing the customer can throw at us, the car can handle. And that's something we're really proud of because we want to be for developers because we're developers ourselves and we understand you have to have that flexibility. And also another big part of what we do is we integrate with your existing website design. We're not, we don't create this whole new template language, and that's one of the big selling points. We actually cache your site completely on our domain, handle PCI compliance and security issues, and when they go from the cart to the checkout, it still looks completely like your site. You don't have to learn a new templating system. Hmm. You can use your existing CSS, JavaScript, HTML, and all that. That's it one can of the even cool be features. At, at your domain on our system, though, so you can map a subdomain, and you offload all of that compliance issues mm-hmm. but you uh it still is completely seamless and nobody would know that boxycard is actually handling the transaction very cool um okay so uh picking picking back up with um bringing new team members on board um i don't want to stick with that too long but uh you mentioned that you have a a team member handbook and that's that's kind of interesting for us uh for a smaller team can you uh tell me about that yeah, we put that together mainly because uh, as the team was growing, there were certain things that we realized weren't clear that Luke and I took for granted and Fred, who's been with us for a long time, that when it's just two or three or four people, it's easy for everybody to understand the humor and understand, hey, we need to get some work done now and and just feel that out. Also, a large part of it is security. Um Obviously, we're doing e-commerce. We're talking about PCI compliance. We're very, very security-focused. So a fair amount of the handbook is security-related things. We're not providing you know, lockdown workstations for people. Everybody's using their own systems mm-hmm. uh, with Windows, Mac, Linux. So we need in the handbook to just say, hey, look, here's what you need to do. Here's when to encrypt email. Here's, you know, you have to use an up-to-date browser, have to use antivirus, have to use some sort of password vault, like one password. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a that's a fair amount. But then we also have, I'm actually just going to pull it up here and take a look at what's in it. I, it I mean, like Brett's talking about, it also includes, you know, you have to have an encrypted disk for anything, any source code or anything like that that you're going to store on your computer, um, those mm-hmm. kind of things. But, uh, but yeah, so it's a lot of it's also kind of the tools that we use as well, just kind of a training and saying, hey, here's where this information is if you need to get access to it. Here's what the tools are that we use and how you get access to them, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and as part of the onboarding process, um, uh, you know, again, we're a small team, but we're we're trying to approach this in a way, like I mentioned, our org chart um, and a book that we that Luke and I both read together and discussed and spent a fair amount of time kind of dealing with a lot of the things that it brings up is the e-myth. Um, and it talks about you know, setting up your business like a franchise where you can duplicate it. So if somebody came in and said, I want to run Foxycart, the hope is that, I mean, obviously we feel like we're very critical to the success of this, but the hope is that enough things are documented so there is no question nobody's coming in and they're on the team now and they don't know when to CC somebody or you know, kind of when to joke here, not joke, the different cultures, hmm. uh, how, you know, what the expectations are in terms of communication. So we have, you know, we have things about whom to CC and when to CC people, um, you know, the tone. It's stuff right. that by the time anybody is on their team, we've already kind of vetted a lot of this stuff, but it's nice to have there and to, to just say, look, 
off topic, we're not going to talk about these things in our main campfire room. We have people in different cultures. We have different religions. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, we joke about whatever, totally fine. But mm, this stuff, just, just not that stuff. And we we haven't had problems with it. And Luke's really big on expectations, so that we feel like the more we can set up front, the more we can say, look, here's four pages, three pages, team mem- team member handbook. Just read through it and mm-hmm. just make sure we're all on the same page. Right. Well, it seems like, I mean, it seems like maybe more dispersed teams, um, could benefit from kind of putting that, that kind of information together early, uh, just because there are fewer opportunities to, you know, uh, glean that, you know, just sort of by being, that kind of information just by being in the office. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially when some team members are asleep, when other team members are awake, it's kind of like, you know, you show up and they're like, all right, guys, I just put it in a full day. Good night. You know, so there wasn't a whole lot of social interaction that took place right there. Right. Like you said, glean that information. But I feel it's been really good, as Brett said, to set expectations because generally we found that if somebody's frustrated, it's either because an expectation was set and wasn't met or there was an expectation that was implied but never actually clearly set. Yeah. So there's those frustrations that happen, and, and usually uh, most of it comes down to communication. Obviously, with a remote team, that's one of the most important things that you do is communicate. So whenever whenever we send long emails back and forth or whenever we're like, hey, let's spend some – and even Brett and I as business partners, early days, we would spend an hour discussing you know, one comment that we didn't mm-hmm. fully quite understand the other person and where they're coming from. And, and so we built that foundation in our relationship, and, and that's kind of the way that we treat the relationships – within the company, within the team, those are the most important things. If those aren't strong and solid, if there's a communication issue, I can think of even just a, a, a month or so ago, one of the guys on the team kind of pinged me on IM and was like, hey, are you upset at what I just, you know, and it was just so cool that he could, he knew me well enough to kind of perceive, hey, maybe, there, maybe there's something I should ask further about, but he wanted to even check his own kind of response to make sure it was appropriate and things like that. And then Brett and I do that as well. Often I'll say, hey, when I sent that email to so-and-so or when I was talking in the chat room, was I off there a little bit? And, and you know, we, we just hold that communication to a really high standard because we know how critical it is on a remote team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think especially for for relationship between founders, um, like Luke mentioned, there are times when I'll say something and mean mean it one way and Luke takes it a completely different way or vice versa. And I think it's just so critical that we're in this together it's like a marriage, basically, and we have to have that communication open. We have to be able to say, like, whoa, whoa, man, I'm I'm not sure what you meant by that. I really want to make sure that that I'm not misunderstanding you, and if you know, or maybe that I need to correct you, or I need to bring up my feelings, and and just make sure everything's clear. And I I think, I mean, business partnerships are hard, but Luke is really an absolutely amazing partner, and um, just. I was in a bad business partnership before and in a lawsuit, mm. uh, so I've seen both ways, and it's it's just such a difficult thing, and for partners especially, but also with the team, like Luke said. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned using uh, email um, and a campfire chat room. Are there any other modes of communication that you use to, to stay on the same page? Google Plus. Mm-hmm. Since that, since the Hangout yeah, functionality definitely. has has come out, it's um, Luke. Would you say it's kind of changed the way we we interact as a team, I, or, or just I augmented? Think, I, well, I would 
would say it's it's kind of enhanced everything that we wanted the team interactions to be. So we do we do a weekly Google Plus video hangout, and it's not required; it's optional. It's clocked in time, so people aren't just there. Uh, you know, they're getting paid to be there, but it's again, mm-hmm. it's optional. If you got work you got to do, or it's you know, we pick a time that's actually really late for some guys and really early for other guys. But it's mm-hmm. there were literally only two times within the whole calendar, you know, whole 24 hours. There's literally only two half hours that worked for everybody. One's that you know what, Brett, you have to wake up at 6:30 or 7:30 in the morning or something like that. Yeah, something. And, like and that. one is you know somebody's up at 11 o'clock at night, right. or 12 o'clock at night. It's just the way it is. But it's really been awesome because. People get to see each other, and it's just a half hour where we just kind of hang out and say, "Here's the projects going on. Here's mm-hmm. what we're doing." And I think when it clicked for me is when one of our guys, Josh, literally he made his own Foxy <laughs> Heart T-shirt, and it was hilarious. And we're, we talked about getting some new T-shirts and sending them out to the team, and we were just like, we were busting up laughing. I, you know, I shared a post on Google Plus about you could just see every little face in the whole, you know, all the little video images across the bottom, completely busting out laughing. <laughs> we just have a good time, and then one of our guys spontaneously. Started started doing like hangout awards after the hangout and he would like <laughs> send out little fake awards that he would create for like the most, uh, I mean just, they were just off the top hilarious and we were all just dying laughing. So it, it really did bring a lot of unity. So I think mm-hmm. Google plus hangout video chats has been huge. Uh, we also use a iPhone app called Heytel, which some we've recently started doing where you can just, it's almost like push to talk uh, Nextel type thing. Hmm. And that works over the Wi-Fi. So I can just, you know, hey, Evgeny, are you up real quick? I need a, I got a question. And he could be in Russia, and it might be 10 o'clock at night, but he could be like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm working. What's up? And and so we use those kind of things. We use uh, you know, iMessages and text messaging and that kind of H- stuff. H-E-Y-T-E-L-L. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, and the, um, there are other similar like, programs. It's yeah. like a cross between text messages and voicemail. It took, it took me at least a little getting used to, but in certain situations, it's very handy. Mm-hmm. Like asynchronous voice communication. Um, I've seen a, a yeah a couple of products pr- products like that. I hadn't I hadn't come across that one though. We we also were talking about communication. Luke just mentioned briefly, but um, everybody on our team except for one developer has iPhones, mm-hmm. so we can do iMessage, and that was also a big boon um, for us, especially with the international because uh, you know international people often get free international texting we in the US don't it's either crazy expensive or moderately expensive so iMessages really have allowed us um to communicate across the ocean you know, mm. across continents in a way that i guess we could have done um and we probably would have figured out with a few other options that i think we might have to look at because one of our developers like as it doesn't have an iPhone mm-hmm. um but that that type of communication is also really handy in certain ways. Um, you know, just to say with one of our guys in Australia, you know, Hey, are you going to be on today while he's mm-hmm. traveling? Or did you hit this or what's the status on this? And you just shoot a quick back and forth. He might be eating or driving or out at a movie and we can all communicate quickly like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not over the top. Um, but we're not doing it constantly, but it's enough to, to make things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about the the uh, the hangout awards because I think one of the things that the dispersed teams miss out on a lot of the time is just those sort of spontaneous cultural you know emergences um, of little customs and things like that. Yeah, definitely. That's a really really good point. I mean, there's been certain things, even just the relational dynamics between some of the guys. That you're right. They're they're cultural things that have kind of grown up uh, out of. You know, the, the company forming itself. And so as we deal with a certain 
situation or certain thing like that. It's just it's fun to be able to dialogue about it on the same level. Um, I think also this this kind of relates to the past two or three questions, but the culture's really a big deal for us. We brought it up with how we find team members and with how we bring them on, but I think it's worth noting that it's not just about, hey, get this done, get that done. There's a lot of common ground between every team member um, that we have, and we haven't necessarily sought this out, but we're all within... I think within six or seven, maybe eight years of each other in terms of age. Um, lots of people that I think almost everyone's married. Um, a lot of people have kids. We're very, I'm not sure what the best way to describe it would be. And it, not to say that it'll be like that all the time, but as far as the culture goes, it's important, like you were talking about with the hangouts and seeing each other's faces, um, to have a relationship beyond just, you do the programming, you do the QA, you do the support and sales, and right. we all just talk about work. There, There is an aspect of, you know, our Russian developer came and visited a few people in the U.S., and it was so great to see him, and people are getting together with their families, and, um, you know, I, we haven't visited anybody overseas yet, but I imagine we will at some point. It's just really nice to have more than just a work relationship, and not to say yeah, that totally, we all need totally. to be best friends, but it adds a lot, and it adds a lot of trust to to our interactions where um, we can believe the best about other people, and we can always say, you know, I don't I don't really get that or that kind of upset me, but I'm going to be open, I'm going to be honest, because I value this relationship more than just I work with you and right. I want to have an easy time at yeah. work. It, this, is what think, this is what I'm doing. I care about this. I think what's interesting with that too is the, the social media dynamic of it. Like we all kind of follow each other on Facebook and Twitter and that kind of stuff. And so there's aspect like when, you know, if I post a run on Runkeeper, you know, Fred's like, man, oh, you're encouraging me. I got to go run, you know, and like mm-hmm. we're, we're interacting in that way too. And, and as Brett mentioned, when Yevgeny came here from Russia, he was in California and then he flew to Georgia to visit Fred, our system. And so I got in the car with my family. We drove to for about seven hours down to Georgia and we stayed there for a couple of days got mm-hmm. a hotel there and just was able to interact with their family. You know, Fred's got some daughters and Evgeny was there. It just, it, it was so cool. You know, we're all, you know, seeing all of our kids on the trampoline going, wow, this is the future of our company, you know? And, and we all play disc golf because I know I like to play disc golf. And then Fred went and he bought his own disc. And it's just like, there's different similarities, even though we're a remote team, we can talk about things that, uh, that we share. And one of the passions I think we all share, and this is kind of a, a core cultural thing that Brett has kind of instilled in the beginning is about education. Like we're constantly learning. We're constantly challenging ourselves. We're constantly excited about, you know, highlighting someone did something new and different they haven't done before. And that's something that we, uh, we're all really proud of and we all kind of mm. congratulate each other on. Were there any particular hurdles that you had to get over, uh, as you were building this, this dispersed team? I mean, particularly related to the fact that, that you're all remote from each other. I think one of them actually that came to mind as I was thinking about this was I think we went through one, maybe even two different sysadmins. <laughs> I think Brett hmm. and I kind of in the beginning kind of fumbled around with, you know, do it managing. I ran Linux in college and, you know, we could kind of get things done. But it, it, there were, you know, just referrals from friends of, oh, yeah, this guy's great. And we're like, oh, OK. And, you know, we didn't go through the same process that we go through now. And. And people would just disappear. Like, Wait, mm. where's our system? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even, this is a problem, you know. And, and so I think 
disappear. Yeah. I, I, I think there's one guy that I don't even know if we if we know if he's alive or not. I, I mean, oh, it's just this was early, early, early on. I mean, this is literally like we probably weren't even officially incorporated at that point. But it's just the idea of uh, being able to, you know, that hiring process. We kind of described that in detail, but that you know we didn't have that overnight. I think mm-hmm. Brett mentioned you know changing your LinkedIn status. I think we did actually start evaluating with one guy, and he had updated his LinkedIn status, and we're just like. We didn't even bring you on board yet. What's mm. going on here? Like, and we, you know, we haven't had too many of those. I think maybe, maybe just a couple where we just tried it out and it's like, you know what? You know, I'm glad they worked on that one little project for us, but we just both agree it's not a good fit, you know, and we have some people that we're even still looking at. And so I, I think it was just basically coming up with that process for how we, how we build the team. Right. Uh, I think another thing Brett mentioned the emyth, but even for Brett and I structuring our, company thinking about it in terms of an org chart was really huge for us until we did that we really struggled with like okay we're all doing a million things we're all wearing ten thousand different hats and we don't even know what the hats are and as soon as we did that org chart we have what like 29 30 different positions on the org chart maybe 35 or something yeah so we we organize it that way and then we're kind of like oh hey you're doing that that and that you don't need to do that we can definitely have somebody do that and train them how to do that no problem and so that really was probably the biggest hurdle of not having our company structured in even in our own minds uh well enough to quickly figure out how we could build a team and distribute the load of the work we're doing because that I think is a, is a common thing that happens with founders is they kind of have control over everything and they don't even know what they can give up to somebody else confidently. And right. that, that is helpful is build that orchard out, figure figure out what you're doing right now and how it can be distributed. I think related to that also, um, I was, I'm glad you brought up the org chart loop because that's, that was huge. The challenges that we've had, I think are, were in making sure that people are where they want to be and where they need to be. And those should be the same thing. So Luke mentioned the sysadmins. Um, Fred was working with me at my previous company uh, doing programming, and he's a fantastic programmer. And we went through um, two sysadmins that we tried in earnest, and I think they both disappeared. Um, and then we had some other people that were helping here and there, friends that had – had full-time gigs, but were assisting with what they could. And I mentioned this to Fred, and he says, "You know that I used to do I used to do sysadmin stuff for this other large company um, that I, that I used to work for." And I said, "Oh, no, I didn't know that. He was on my resume." And I said, "I didn't really look at your resume." Mm. Um, and so he, we moved him into the sysadmin position, he he likes it. I, I mean, that's what he wants to do. He likes the systems. He likes working with it. And we didn't really even know that we had that that resource there. Um, so I think part of it is when we bring somebody on, we need to really make sure, what do you like to do? What challenges you? What are your goals? And as we understand their goals, not only professionally, but personally, you know, do they want to buy a house? Do they want to travel? Do they want to do stuff with their kids? Um, it, it allows us to head off a lot of those challenges that, that we have run into a, a lot of times in the past um, because we we just weren't asking the right questions. We weren't giving people the freedom. Luke mentioned our QA guy, um, Sami. He he was with us for I don't I don't recall exactly how long, but it was months and months where we were trying to find a fit for him, and finally we kind of looked at the org chart and looked at what he was doing and realized 
geez, you're you're really good at QA. I mean, you're you're dominating this, and this is a very important role. And he's taken it over, and he's just taken ownership. And it's really fantastic when with that org chart has just so tangibly allowed us to have a more productive team that is more is happier with what they're doing. Hmm. Um, another challenge that we've had is when we bring people on because we don't always know exactly where they're going to go. There has been some challenge where I didn't know if I was supposed to be kind of handling him and figuring it out with him. And Luke didn't really know. And so we kind of dropped the ball and didn't help him fit in as well as we could have. So there, there's situations like that that I think have been challenging too, where there's a sort of, Hey, you need to find your own niche, but we're here to help, but nobody's really taking the lead. And I think the org chart has really helped where I have the red section and Luke has the blue section and Fred has the green section. And, and we can say, okay, this person right now is functionally in this box, which means they're going to be mostly be talking to these people about questions and, and making sure that everything's working out. So, like Luke said, the org chart was just huge in allowing us to to grow and, and hire um, without the frustrations that I think we've had in the past and I'm sure a lot of other people have had. Mm-hmm. Can you quickly uh, describe to me a, a day in the life of Foxy Cart, uh, particularly just, you know, talking about like how the how the interactions go, um, how much you work together or apart and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I think. The way, and it's actually kind of similar for each team member in a sense, even Brett and I as founders. I mean, we, you basically wake up, check all your email. Uh, our deal is we want to reply to email within, you know, 18 hours, 12 hours. That's our goal. If, and if you can't, you're generally going to send an email, say, Hey guys, it's a holiday. I'm going to be out tomorrow. Or, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going with my family to go do something just so people know you're not going to be around. But generally, you know, we get through those emails really quick. We read through the campfire logs. We want to know what happened while I was sleeping. You know, what, is there some issue that could, could maybe be something I'm involved in, mm-hmm. code I've touched or something like that. So read through the campfire logs, and then depending on uh, what your 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 job position is, you might be in the forum next, kind of reading through forum posts, helping customers. You might go through help desk, uh, which is our support system, and you might actually find you know other team members that have commented you in on tickets and are waiting for your feedback to move forward and serve a customer. So that's kind of the next priority uh, in the forum. If you can't go through the whole thing, generally you look for uh, somebody's sent you a private message or you've been added into a specific uh, form thread. And then from there, uh, that that generally is kind of the beginning before you, you know you get set up, settled and kind of get through that. And after that, it's it's jumping hopefully right into what your strength is. So we've got a guy, Kevin, who focuses on UX and UI development. Uh, Yevgeny focuses on building gateways and he's working on a new shipping system. I'm more the core developer and I'm working on some of our core functionality, our new RESTful API and that kind of stuff. Brett is uh, focusing on key relationships uh, and some new pricing and a lot of other things we're working on. So everyone kind of can dive right into that. But even as they're doing that, they've always got that campfire open. And sometimes they'll say, hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to be I'm head down today, so if you need me, quick send me a shoot, you know, quick me a sh- uh, text message. <laughs> quick, send me a quick IM or something like that, you know, just to get my attention because I'm not going to be watching Campfire. But other other times, people are there in Campfire looking for their name, you know, and watching as they're working on their other thing. And that's um, that's pretty much it. We try and focus on kind of our our core deals. Is if another team member or a customer is waiting for you, that's generally going to be your priority right then. 
mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's something small and quick that you can get to. If it's a larger project and they're waiting on you, then we have to kind of reevaluate, bump that up to Brett or I, and we'll kind of help set priorities for you. But usually that's kind of how we prioritize things. If somebody's waiting for you to get their job done, you know, go ahead and help them out and then get back to what you're doing. And, uh, and that, so that's kind of the way we do things. I think it might also be worth pointing out that uh, the hours, most of our team, if not all, um, like Luke said, wake up, you know, do breakfast, do whatever they're going to do, check campfire, check in, say hey to everybody, um, work a block during the day, break for dinner and family time, and then very often come back and work another small block in the evening or large block, depending on how the day went. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know how common that is. I would imagine it's pretty common. Um, just with all remote workers. Well, just speaking uh, for myself, I, I do exactly that, and I actually mm-hmm. split split it about even. Yeah, I used to be, when I had my office in the home. Um, I've, I've moved my office two blocks out because my house isn't big enough, and I have three little girls that love to play. Um, <laughs> so I, I work. I have a more solid block in the day, but I think everybody on our team does, and I imagine that's really common, like you said. I've been doing it a lot more specifically now that I'm in Costa Rica. Like I went surfing for two hours this morning, came home, hung out with the family, and uh, you know started clocking in a little bit before lunch. And I've been I've been putting in a couple hours after dinner as well, and it's just been great. I mean, I've actually been surprised. I've clocked eight hour days the last few days, and I had only really planned on clocking six or so hours. That's actually another thing that's kind of interesting. Brett and I, as founders, we actually clock our own time as well, and we use a we use a tool called Freco that kind of everybody can see everybody's hours. And in, it's, it's kind of an interesting aspect of the way we do things because, you know, there's a little bit of that peer pressure of knowing, oh wow, other people are getting stuff done. You know, I've got to, I've got to clock in and get my stuff done too. And it's not, not really a competing thing as much as it's just a wow. I, I'm glad to know a lot of the team is working and I, I'm excited about what they're working on. And that's something that uh, we found has been helpful, even just for us to know what we spend our time on. You know, mm-hmm. how much time is internal communication? How much time is programming? How much time is, you know, uh, vendor relationships? How many, how much time is, uh, business development? Those kind of things. It, it's really helpful to see and say, are we working on our core competency or not? Right. It's probably worth pointing out too. We just moved to Freckle, um, the last few months. We had previously for years and years been on Harvest, which is also a really, really amazing system. Um, for, and when we moved to Freckle, we kind of opened it up, like Luke said. So now everybody can see everything where before it was just all you could see was your time. Nobody on the team had any idea that Luke and I were working, uh, you know, oftentimes twice as many hours or three times as many hours as some other people. And not, I don't say that to gloat, like we're amazing for doing it. It's just, this is, you know, this is our thing. And that's what we, we don't expect anybody else to do that. And, and, and with that too, it's, it's worth noting that some of the guys on the team, they want their kind of full week to be a 30 hour a week, you know, and we want to support yeah. that. It's like if that, that's going to be enough to support their family and that's what they want to, those are the hours they want to clock, then we're totally, we're totally fine with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, just with the freckle and with everybody seeing everyone's hours and seeing some different ways that other, other, uh, entrepreneurs that we know have structured their business, it, it's a really interesting, balance between how how open and transparent you are and how much people everybody on the team knows and i think we try to we try to lean towards everybody knowing as much as they can reasonably um Mm -hmm. but you know it's it's a fine line to walk sometimes but we feel like the more we can teach everyone about what's going on the more everybody understands the plan the roadmap the target markets you know the the struggles that we've had the problems that we've had who 
you know, oftentimes Luke and I do something wrong. We, we do something that causes a problem and we have to say to the team, you know, uh, this was my fault. I, you know, I shouldn't have done this and I, I hope that we all can learn from it. I, I like to ask everyone this. If there was one piece of advice that you could give to a team that's, that's building out a dispersed team, uh, what would it be? Oh, let's see. <laughs> There's so many. Uh, I think, I think again, I'd probably have to focus on communication. If communication is not the most important thing for your company, um, it's going to be very difficult for you. So I think that includes, you know, like we use Redmine, you know, commenting on tickets, responding to email, responding to text messages, you know, even, even simple things like you're, you're in the middle of a chat and then all of a sudden the person stops responding, you know, and so we do simple things like, oh, be right back, you know, or, Hey, I'm going to be gone for a second or I'm going to go get a bite to eat or something like that. Just communicating your current status and your ability to continue communicating, I think, uh, is, is probably one of the most important things. A lot of people are like, Oh man, I don't want to read my email or whatever. And I, I just don't think that that philosophy works well on a remote distributed team. That email, that communication could be the most important part of your day because if, uh, if, if you guys make some decisions poorly, you could waste weeks or even months working on something that wasn't what you should have been working on. And, and that I think is, is a, a shift even on our own minds that I had to realize, like, if I spent a lot of time on internal communication, I used to think, oh man, I should have just been programming. You know, actually that may have been more important than anything else I could have done. So, so just value in communication would be my thought. I, I think, like we've said, communication, but more specifically, uh, for any remote team, Maybe this isn't specific for remote teams, but I, I think founder relationships, partner relationships are just absolutely critical. Um, and that's where communication, like we've said, is so critical. Expectations are so important. But because, and you're only going to be as good as the, the people in charge. You're only going to be as good as the people that are really helping set the culture. And not to say that Luke and I are, are amazing and, and we have an amazing team because we're amazing, but I think if the weakest link in the chain is the relationship between the founders, you're in for trouble. Um, so I, I would really, really behoove everybody who is in a partnership or has co-founders, especially those on remote teams, they can't see each other, can't see the face, the facial expressions. Can't always hear the the intonation of the voice. Um, to just keep that communication open and be very, very open and honest and uh, and as confident as possible in that relationship. Because if if that falls apart, it's it's going to hurt everybody. It's going to hurt the entire team. And if for us, we we feel like it's a big responsibility when we bring people onto the team. All of a sudden. You know, they're part of this adventure. They're part of, we're part of helping them put food on the table and pay their rent. We don't take that lightly. And I think if, if Luke and I didn't have the relationship that we did, I would feel very wary, um, about bringing people on the team, people that I cared about, people that I wanted to see succeed. Uh, it would be very difficult to, to communicate the confidence and yeah, join the team. This is a great place to be. It's a great place to, to help you meet your goals for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, and again, I've had bad experiences with, with business partnerships. Um, so that would be my one 
piece of advice for anybody starting um, a, a remote team or trying to do anything like that. Excellent advice. All right, uh, where can people find you two and uh, and Foxycart online? Foxycart is at foxycart.com, F-O-X-Y-C-A-R-T.com. Uh, Luke and I are both on Google Plus and Facebook and Twitter. I think, Luke, you use your name I'm for just, I'm Luke Stokes. Yeah, just Luke Stokes on uh, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, from there you can find other blog and things like that. Um, yeah. Our, our, uh, the Foxycart team page, our story page, has links to um, all of our team's uh, blogs and Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and um, all the accounts that, that we have. So, and I think a- I think Brett was you know laughing a little bit as he said that because this message just came up on our chat room. Our assistant <laughs> said, "Man, our IT docs are so sexy. I want to lick the screen." You know, of course that has everyone else laughing in the channel. Those are, those are the kind of things that we have. Those interactions that just make it fun to be working each day. <laughs> Uh, any other projects, uh, personal or otherwise, you want to plug before we go? I miss this. Foxcar is kind of the main one for us. It's cool. one we've been focusing on a lot. Um, I want to I want to thank Cal again, Cal Evans, for introducing us. Yeah, he's got his podcast as well with the um, uh, the Elephant Podcast and also Avoiding Goat Rodeo some projects he's working on. Uh, I just want to thank him. But other than that, uh, we're just excited to work on this. Cool. Well, Luke, Brett, thank you so much for uh, spending this time with me. Thank you. You're very welcome. We appreciate it. And that is our show today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wide Teams podcast. For more interviews and articles on dispersed teams and remote work, please visit us on the web at wideteams.com. And uh, if you enjoy the show and you're an iTunes user, please do rate the show in the iTunes Music Store. I really appreciate it when people do that. The Wide Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next week, this is Avdi Grimm signing off.